You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. Uh, with being plunked down and just getting up and seeing the same sunrise, and looking around and seeing the same sunset, where for the last 20 years, every day's been different. different. Yeah. But I've been content and I've been happy up there because of the responsibility and the care of the local people and the. the um, it's just been a wonderful obligation great time in my life. I'm just, I'm so blessed to have that responsibility. Really, it's a blessing to me. That was none other than Nimble Will Nomad, and I'm Misty Ridley Little. If you've been around the hiking community at all in the last 20 years, the name Nimble Will Nomad has probably came to your attention, whether in passing as being known as a trail legend, or maybe you've read his books, or maybe you've been lucky enough to come across him out on the trail or at his most recent abode on Flag Mountain in Alabama. As for me, it was while researching the AT for our 2010 through hike that I came across his name and researched a bit into who this mythical hiking figure was and finding out about his ECT hike. I didn't peer into his book 10 Million Steps until I was at the library in Damascus, Virginia, waiting for my turn at the computer. The book had been sitting on display at the library, and so I opened it and started reading the first few pages. And I started tearing up almost immediately. What he was writing struck a chord in me the turmoil and the happiness and all the emotions that those first 400 miles had set into me on the AT. And truthfully, I've held off on trying to read that book until recently. It was too painful, dredging up all of those memories of the trail. Not because the trail was painful, but because, well, I mean, you know what the trail does to you. And then I attended Billy Goat Day back in January. And guess who was in attendance with so many other wonderful trail folks? Nimble Will Nomad. Like so many others who encounter him and have had a few words with him, I think we all take whatever moments we have with him to heart. I wasn't sure I should even bother him, you know, to sit down and chat for an episode of the podcast because, you know, who am I? But as I'm sitting here writing this all out, I can't even say the right things, like what all the feelings feel right now and felt then. So at the beginning of the conversation, you hear that I'm pretty emotional. The day was really exciting. It was meeting friends that I've gotten to know from this podcast, getting to know other folks, talking to people with, you know, thousands and thousands of trail miles on their legs and just taking in all the stories. And to be honest, at the end of the day, I was completely overwhelmed and was having to seriously resist the urge to just crawl in my tent and sleep the rest of the evening away. And just at the right moment, Nimble Will Nomad came back to the campsites and said he was available to chat. Though, you know, I could tell he was really overwhelmed and tired from the event. Despite, again, you know, all the happiness and joy of seeing his dearest hiking friends, it was, it was overwhelming. So paired with his overwhelm and my overwhelm, my emotions were seriously high. <laughs> and to be honest, I almost didn't want to share this episode just because of that. So I could have sat down and talked to Nimble Will Nomad for, you know, many, many, many more hours. But, you know, I had about 25 minutes and... I got in what I could, and that's going to have to suffice until we cross paths again. Uh, you know, I was definitely left wanting to ask him so much more, and even as I edited the episode, I was wishing I had asked him so many other different things, and, you know, it's... I could have just honestly sat there and listened to him talk for, for hours, because what stories does does he have? All right, I'll stop rambling now. Here is Nimble Will Nomad. Um, you know, obviously you were talking a minute ago about so many people, um, coming up to you and 
recounting meeting you um, and then you having our time, uh, you know, not necessarily always remembering them. Um, and, you know, something I've been thinking about is today, um, but for a while is just the trail. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm emotional about this either. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's humbling and embarrassing. Um, it's humbling that people would consider a short brief time of our meeting would have any impact on their life and it's embarrassing that I can't remember it well and I think it's weird that you know we're just hikers all of us we don't necessarily out there seeking the the so called trail fame or whatnot. but then there are all these hikers who have become trail famous necessarily I mean you, um, Jupiter other people um and you guys aren't necessarily prepared for that, I would think. But how would you, how has that, how have you dealt with that over, you know, these 20, 30 years? Well, you can see I haven't dealt with it <laughs> because it's had such an impact on me. I would probably attend a lot more of these functions if I wasn't having to deal with uh, the reality of the embarrassment that I have to suffer because I don't remember someone who cares for me a lot. So that tells you a little bit about the sort of person I am, and that's not good. Uh, how could it be good? How could it be good for someone to find a spot in their heart for you and you don't have a clue who they are, where you met them, or anything that you ever had to do with them? It's kind of callous, isn't it? And i got to deal with that. Uh, I had a thoroughly wonderful time today. Uh, <laughs> meeting you, meeting so many other really wonderful new friends. Yeah. But you could see me interacting with my dear old friend. Yeah, yeah. From Jim Kern and then Billy Goat, seeing Sandra and, and John again, Leanne and Anderson's just beautiful people. So it was certainly worth it coming down here and I was encouraged to come. Uh, so it's been a blast, but I'm just exhausted. I'm an old man. Yeah. And so I guess your parents, did you watch your parents as they aged? If you, um, they're, they're in their, well, my mom will be 60 and my dad's in his early 60s. But yeah, I am watching, yeah, I am watching them as they're, they're getting more health issues and I'm worried about them and that sort of situation tend to be more emotional about things that to you shouldn't be considered to be that emotional. Right. Less importance in things that should be important, more importance in things that should be less important. So we kind of have a tendency to, for the younger generation, the older of us, to be kind of upside down on a lot of our thoughts and the way we conduct our lives. So that's, that's kind of a a clashing experience when I'm with so many people that are into the very vital times of their lives mm -hmm. when I'm not there anymore. But isn't the energy incredible? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't the energy incredible? And, um, so you took the energy and I took the energy and we just consumed that and 
thrive on that energy that comes to us. But when we leave here, we're not taking something with us that we've deprived someone else of. The energy that you and I have experienced here today is not a finite quality that we gain from talking to someone or having a wonderful uh, interchange or uh, just the joy of meeting and being with somebody. Again, that energy is not finite, it's infinite. So when I gain energy from you and your emotions now, uh, which are important to me, I'm not draining you of your energy, <laughs> okay? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So that was a wonderful experience today to be back in that circle of energy again. And the meeting and when the discussions were going on there and the introductions and everything, it was just electricity in the air and everyone was captivated with that. And it was humbling to me, very humbling. And, um, I mean, you spend most of your time, you know, in a cabin on the Flag Mountain, right? And um, so, yeah, you probably aren't necessarily <laughs> coming into contact with so many people on a daily basis oh, like I this. Do. do you? Yeah. Uh, there's much more activity on the mountain now. Uh, the locals love the mountain. The mountain had been closed, was locked. The gate was, was battened. You couldn't get on that mountain for 20 years. And the mountain's open again now. Uh, the locals will tell you it's because I'm up there. So <laughs> they identify me and the mountain as being a unit, mm. being kind of a compositor of one thing, and the locals love the mountain. Mm -hmm. So they come to see me. There isn't a day goes by that one of the locals doesn't come to check on me. Are you okay, old man? You need anything? <laughs> uh, I haven't been grocery shopping in almost a month. They bring food to me. Uh, one lady's done my laundry now for two years and will not accept anything for her kindness and handling and touching and washing my cruddy, dirty, filthy clothes. <laughs> but she does it just out of love for me. So I see people pretty regularly on the mountain, so I'm not isolated in the least. And it's such a joy to have that responsibility. It's a real joy. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, like what you just said about the uh, locals, me thinking the mountain and you were one and the same, do you feel that way about that mountain? I'm the old man on the mountain, literally. <laughs> And that doesn't have the connotation that you'd normally think of as being the old man on the mountain. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean I'm a sage sayer or anything like that, or I have any incredible wisdom. But people come up to see me and just to sit with me and we'll talk. Mm -hmm. We just enjoy each other's company. The locals are just wonderful people. I didn't know if I was going to be accepted. I was an outsider when I came in. The community around the mountain, Closed is not a good term to use. I'd say, well, this is a closed community, which means, well, these people are uh, one-minded and... Right, right. They're isolated, and they don't want anything to do with anyone else. They got their own ideas, their own lives, and leave us alone. They're not like that, and I totally misread them when I moved in there. Most of them have been there all their lives. They're the third and fourth generation on a particular farm. Uh, and I'm an outsider coming in there, so I thought it's going to be it's going to be a tough go for me, and I'm going to have some problems. But the locals opened their arms to me and welcomed me to that mountain and to that community. Like I've made more friends there 
in the last two and a half, three years that I've been up there than I did in the 30 years that I was in Florida and had my practice down there. I, I've made more lasting, sincere, honest, beautiful friends in my life in the last three years. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's like... And I come in yeah. thinking that I was going to be out yeah. and they were going to reject me. Right. And, and, just and they just amazing. welcomed you with open arms. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> and is that where you plan to like spend the rest of your days on that mountain? Or last week I was the anniversary of my second year continually being living on the mountain. So I've been up there two years now. Uh, six months ago, the state uh, entered into an agreement with an architect design a new set of stairs, staircase for the tower. The tower is closed now because the stairs are rotten and been condemned. Mm -hmm. uh, the architect's going to design a new bathhouse for us and some other improvements and things that need to be done on the mountain. And that was an 18-month contract, so that'll run out in about a year. So I'm going to see where are we in a year from now. I think if we can accomplish the things that I was hoping that could be done. I'd like to put a pack on again okay. and go hiking some more again. I can do it. My back's strong. My legs are strong. I have the desire and, the, and I have the, uh, the energy and mm -hmm. the passion to continue uh, doing what I've done for the last 20 years. This is just kind of a hiatus in my life, I guess, Okay. the last two years on the mountain. I love the responsibility. <laughs> I thought I'd have trouble uh, with being plunked down and just getting up and seeing the same sunrise. Looking around and seeing the same sunset, where for the last 20 years every day's been different, different. Yeah, but I've been content and I've been happy up there because of the responsibility and the care of the local people and the the. Um, it's just been a wonderful obligation and a great time in my life. I'm just I'm so blessed to have that responsibility. Really, it's a blessing to me. So How many 80-year-old people do you know that really are vital in their lives and have a purpose and have a really important responsibility, something that they get up? Your minister probably and some other folks, you could certainly speak of very highly, but I consider it's just a blessing to me because I'm one of few that can claim at my age to feel that I'm of good and of use and, and that there's purpose here. Right. Yeah. And I think as you get older especially when people start retiring, they kind of lose that purpose. I've had this conversation with a couple of people this weekend um, and, and why they switch to hiking and why they get into this community. And, and it's to, you know, to feel that purpose and feel that need. And as we get older and it's something I, I mean, I'm almost 40 and I'm, so I'm a long way away from thinking about that, but I do think about that in some aspects is, you know, when I'm 80, do I want to be <laughs> in a retirement center or do I want to be doing something that's, you know, meaningful and I'm still able to, you know, be active in some capacity? It's really sad, isn't it, when you see people work all their lives for that wonderful retirement and they end up with no purpose and no meaning and nothing to do in their lives and they end up vegetating and the next thing you know, you're at their funeral. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come to my funeral for a while. <laughs> I hope I so. <laughs> you got a while, a while to go for that. I think well, you and Billy Goat and Jim. Has planned for us, but I, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Billy goes to deer for him. We've been friends for a long, long time. And now Greybeard. Yeah. I wish he could have been here today as a deer friend. We can identify with who we are and what we are in a very meaningful way to each other. And we don't need to try to explain anything. Right. And I think you understand maybe too. I do. A little bit of what I'm telling you and where we're coming from. And that was part of the energy here today. Mm-hmm. And we all feed off of that. We all get back to it. Mm-hmm. When we leave here, we got more of it, and there's nothing missing from anybody. Yeah. <laughs> we all share it all. Yeah, it's that, there's something going on there that we can't measure, and there is no measure. No. Our physical senses can't go there and make any sense of it or any meaning from it, but what we have to apply with our vision or hearing or our touch or smell and any of our other senses. It's just something else that's going on there and I've tuned into that and I think a lot of us that can be at peace and out here with nature and just enjoy the great outdoors. Uh, we align ourselves with that in a way that we can uh, be a vessel through which that flows or which it comes into. In my life, certainly, it's been that way. If you feel that you've gotten some energy from being with me today, uh, that's a blessing to both of us. Well, just like you said, I think the whole the whole day was very energy filled with you know you know not just uh, you and uh, everybody else that we were here to to honor, but you know just all the hikers and all their stories and just connecting with everybody and friendship and camaraderie and yeah it's <laughs> it's going to take some time for me to decompress all of it so what John and, and uh, uh, Navigator mm-hmm. Sandra have accomplished over the years and others that have come in the Anderson that have helped and picked up and carried it on now with the hikers that are coming up the trail now, mm-hmm. they're just packed full of energy too. Yeah. They brought all that energy <laughs> in here today and came right straight into contact with all the energy that was here. Mm-hmm. And that all has just compounded and manifested for all of us to see. Uh, it's, just, it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a very great thing. It makes me want to get a pack on and go hiking. Yeah. Why not? Oh, well, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a son. I have a yeah. five-year-old right now, so it's not... The right time. Yeah, but you got, you got a life. Yes. See, we don't, I don't have a life. Yeah. You look, I'm hiker trash, you know. What, yeah, I'm yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in the eyes of those in our civilized world that strive to be better people and strive to accomplish things and to build things and make things and to be recognized for some great accomplishment, I don't fit into any of that. I did it one time, but I've withdrawn from it, and I've been a happier person and a much more meaningful life that I've been able to live the last 20 years for sure. Right. It took me 60 years to figure it out. I'm 80 now, 81. So about my 60th birthday, I started kind of putting all of it together, and that's when I did my first long hike. No, but I think 
I think your last 20 years, it's, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And it's not the accomplishment of, you know, our capitalist society, but yeah. it's, it's an accomplishment for, you know, thousands of people for, to see what you've done and, you know, many people are following, <laughs> following in your footsteps, trying to do well, the you, same you thing. You can't go to the cash register and ring that up. And no. You can't go to the, to the uh, uh, cashier at the bank and withdraw that. No. I mean, it's not that sort of thing. No. It's a different kind of. It's not something you can necessarily. Yeah, it's not a commodity. It's not something you can necessarily like categorize either. So. Put that in a box. Right. See if you can get a lid on it. Right. <laughs> So what do you want your next adventure to be? Or do you have any ideas? Whatever comes your way. I'm not sure. I, I've talked to some people. I've done the AT twice now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be drawn back to taking a look at doing that again in a year or so. I've got another year that yeah. I consider an obligation right. to the mountain. And uh, we'll see if I'm still here Yeah. Uh, at age 82 what I want to do but right now I have the I have the mental ability I have the passion for it I have the physical ability my health is as good as you can expect and much better probably than you'd expect for someone my age my knees are good my back's good uh, I have good stamina yet mm-hmm. so I could put a pack on and do a 25 mile day tomorrow and not suffer there's not very many 80 year olds who can say that <laughs> so I, I'm being drawn back to the trail just because that's been my life for the last 20 years and I've got so much incredible satisfaction out of it along with the benefits of what being active and physical have done for me and my longevity I, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't been active as I have been for the last 20 years. Right. I wouldn't be. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I'd have just sit in a wheel, you know, I'd ended up in a wheelchair. wheelchair. <laughs> if I'd just sat in a rocking chair after I retired right. in 1993 and just sit there, I wouldn't be here. So, you have all these life challenges, you have all these obligations, you have all these things that tend to push your list so one of these days I'm going to do this right. one of these days I'm going to do that and list of things that you want to do just get, you get put off to another day and you just never, it just never happens or you can become pretty much a worthless person and throw all those great life experiences that should make you a wonderful citizen of this great nation and just go off on your own little trip. Yeah. Your own little journey and I guess that's what I've done. Yeah. I think you've made a a very good life of it though. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I think so. Uh, One of these days. In, In all of the trails and and non-trails you've done is there anything that sticks out as your most memorable or the desert is so forbidding and it's so barren and 
complete the void of anything that we consider to be a joy to go look and see and, and enjoy and experience. But I've just come to love the desert. So the trails that I've hiked that had anything to do with the desert have become just real, real treasure to me. The Arizona Trail, I love the Arizona, the Arizona Trail is basically a hike through the desert. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the Trails of Westward Expansion, the Pioneer Trails, uh, once you get past the Great Platte River Road in Nebraska, you're pretty much in the desert all the way out there on any of those, and the Pony Express especially. Uh, there's a 550-mile no-man's land between uh, Salt Lake City and Carson City, and there's nothing out there. I mean nothing. Mm. And I went out there and managed with my four-wheel drive to get in where the Pony Express went through there, uh, up those old gullies and ravines 50 miles from any place, and buried food and water over a period of uh, a month for a friend of mine and I, and we did that traverse in 29 days with nothing other than what I'd buried in the desert. Oh, wow. And I just loved that. I loved that desert experience. Hmm. We found some of the old Pony Express uh, way stations out there that probably haven't been visited in the, in the last 7,500 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I love the desert. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. The last number of years that I've been involved in the High Plains Desert, I've just... That sounds strange, I guess. But yeah. Compared to the Green Tunnel. Right. The Trail and, <laughs> and the beauty of the Rockies or the beauty of the Sierras and all the great uh, spots up in the Olympics. Uh, in the Whites and the Presidents, anywhere along the Appalachian Trail. Just give me the desert. But you find the beauty in the desert. <laughs> well, thank you for sitting down and chatting with me. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I um, don't want you want to eat dinner, get warm or whatever, but I do appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me a little bit. <laughs> and it was very it was a pleasure to meet you. And if you don't remember me in the future, I'm not going to feel bad about that. So. I have one of your cards. Uh, that's it for my brief time talking with Nimblewell Nomad. We didn't get a clean ending to the interview recorded as a few things happened towards the end. My friend Delaney was needing some food and not doing too great and uh, I was getting very dusky outside. So we said our goodbyes off mic and then I wished him well and thanks the following morning before he traveled back to his home on Flag Mountain. If you find yourself on the Pinhoti Trail after this pandemic ends, do stop in and say hello to Nimblewell Nomad. Show notes for the podcast are at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com and you can find the podcast on Instagram as Orangeblaze Podcast and on Facebook as Official Orangeblaze Podcast. All right, happy hiking, y'all. <laughs>